Do you know how to buy property for as little as $10 and sell it for 100 times more? And how to get off serious debt and start building wealth by following a proven system no matter what your situation is? Because today's guest will show you how you can demolish debt and build wealth in record time. Hi, my name is Vindya V. This is Art of the Extraordinary, the podcast for those of you who's ready to play a much bigger game and leave an extraordinary legacy behind. I'm glad you're here and it's time to make your quantum leap. Today, my guest is Karen Ford, who is a master financial coach, a public speaker, an entrepreneur and an author who has coached people with a variety of money issues from just $500 in debt to $800,000 in debt. Her mission is to inspire others to rid themselves of debt and build wealth. She will today teach you how she took $10 and bought a property and sold it for $1,500 and much more about money on this show right now. So Karen, how in the world do you buy real estate for as little as $10? <laughs> That's a great question. Here in the United States, and I don't know how it is there, but we have what we call a state auditor auction. And what happens is when people don't pay their property taxes, it ends up going to the state where the state owns the property. And of course, the state is not in the real estate business by any means. So they want to get these properties off their books and they auction them off. And so I attend this auction each year and had actually purchased the property for $10 and then ended up selling it after I got the deed. And that's really a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, yeah. Can we come over there and do it? Sure. Come on down. <laughs> yeah. The more the merrier. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Karen, now I want to come back to that story again and talk a little bit more about it. But before that, I just want to ask you, how did you get into real estate? Was that the first deal that you did or how was that journey like before that? Well, I have always admired people that bought properties and then would fix them up and then flip them, so to speak. They'd sell them for more of a profit after they renovated and did the necessary repairs. And so several years ago, we began buying properties, fixing them up, painting them, putting in new carpeting and new kitchens and bathrooms and ended up selling them. And it became a very lucrative business. And I thought, wow, this is really working. And so I had heard and discovered about some other people buying properties through this state auditor auction and then began attending that as well. So every year we end up buying properties. And of course, you can buy properties in a number of ways. You know, you can buy properties through foreclosure, auction, auction houses, and even for sale by owners. Some people, for whatever reason, maybe their job changed, they have to move rather quickly, and they're willing to take less of a price for the property so that they can move. So there's a wide array of ways to purchase properties and it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So when you first got into real estate and basically flipping houses, did you have any education about it or did you just figure it out as you went? I figured it out as I went, but I did talk to a lot of people. 
My oldest brother has been in real estate for over 27 years, so he's a wealth of information and knowledge. And of course, reading. I'm an avid reader. I read a lot of books. I Googled a lot online to find out the do's and the don'ts and the should and should nots and things like that. And of course, knowing the area in which you're going to purchase is an absolute key. You know, you don't want to look in an area where maybe the homes are selling for $100,000 and you want to buy the house for $100,000 and then fix it up and sell it for $200,000. That's not going to work. If the house is in that area, the comps in that area, the value of the homes in that area are still just $100,000. It really won't matter how much rehabbing and fixing up you do. If the homes in that area are only valued at $100,000, then you don't want to put a lot of money in a $100,000 home and think you're going to sell it for $200,000. It just doesn't work that way. So you generally want to buy homes for less than what the value of the other homes in that area are, and then fix it up so that you can sell it for a profit. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so of course. since you started doing that, and you've come a long way to do, doing what you're doing right now, which is helping people become more financially free and figure out, I guess, around money, right? How did yeah. that become your journey? How are you here now? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> I, I actually have a background in nursing. I'm a registered nurse, but I haven't practiced as a nurse for several years. And People have always told me throughout my life, wow, you're really good with numbers. You're really good with money. I never really saw that necessarily about myself, but I started on that journey and I had someone tell me, you know what, Karen, you would do really well with financial coaching. I think you need to go get some more training so that you can help people. And so I had already left my nursing job and I went to some training and additional training to become a master financial coach. And I absolutely loved it. And I love it today. And I look at it like this. When I practiced as a nurse, I helped people get healthy physically. And now as a master financial coach, I help people get healthy financially. And so I'm still helping people, but it's just in a different way. And I absolutely love it because so many people are in debt they don't like debt, they don't want to be in debt, but they don't see their way out of it. And so I come along and I give them hope first and foremost, because it doesn't matter to me how much debt a person has, you can get out of debt. There is hope. Well, it is a very interesting topic because I think financial issues and challenges, they had been around for a very long time, but it still surprises me the fact that we don't really learn about this stuff in school. Shouldn't we be learning about this stuff in school? Because we are going to be handling money no matter who you are. And that that's, always surprises me. That's so very true. In fact, I can remember when I was in grade school and high school, learning how to write a check, how to balance a checkbook, creating a budget. And they don't do that in schools now. And so how are people going to learn to handle money? Well, 
word of mouth or coaches or what have you. That's how they're going to learn it. Now, in fact, I have coached people from the age of 18 all the way up to 72 years of age. And the common denominator among all of them is this. They've all said to me, no one ever taught me how to budget. And it's really quite shocking to me. Even the 72-year-olds, they never learned. No one ever taught them. And that's unfortunate because they're kind of winging it, you know, every month or every day. They're just trying to figure out how to navigate through their finances. And it's really unfortunate because when you learn how to budget, that's empowering. You're being put in control of your money when you budget. Simply put, a budget is telling your money what you want it to do instead of wondering where it went. And when people tell me that they make so much money each month, but they don't know where it goes or what happens to it, nine times out of 10, I can almost guarantee you it's because they're not budgeting. Well, so your domain is you help people become financially free. Now, I want to drill a little bit more deeper into that because financial freedom has got many different meanings and people put different implications on what that really means. What does it mean to you and the people who you help? Financial freedom is this. You have no debt. You might still have your utilities every month, but financial freedom means you have enough to take care of yourself. You don't have any debt and you don't have any credit cards or a house payment or car payment. And you have more than enough so that you can invest, you can build wealth and you can help those around about you. You know, one thing that I absolutely love is being able to help other people financially. If there's a single mom who's working and maybe she's struggling it brings me great joy to be able to help her financially. Now, we don't want to enable people. In other words, I don't really necessarily want to help somebody that's willing to stay home and not work and just receive from other people. You know, my heart goes out towards them. They need definitely help, but they need a job. So mm -hmm. I want to help somebody that's already working and they're trying to do the best they can but they just don't have enough. Those are the people that I want to help. But financial freedom means exactly that. You don't have any debts. You have more than enough income to take care of yourself and to invest, build wealth, and help those around about you. Mm. Well, I guess one of the questions that I always even ask myself is that, how do you determine the difference between good debt and bad debt? Because a lot of people talk about it, but I'm not sure whether we are very clear about it because that's two different things that you can go into. Can you speak to that? Yes, ma'am, I can. Personally, I don't think any debt is necessarily good debt. <laughs> it's never good to have debt. However, in the terms that you're speaking of bad debt, good debt, credit cards are not, that's bad debt because you're buying things on a credit card, which has interest, you know, student loans. Personally, I think that's bad debt because you're having to pay lots and lots of money for an education that you may or may not use. Cars are a bad debt 
because when we define bad debt, good debt, bad debt is anything that's going to depreciate. So a vehicle always depreciates. It never goes up in value unless you're talking about antique vehicles. But a car that you're driving to and from work, anything like that, that would be bad debt to have a car loan. Credit cards are bad debt. Now, a mortgage, like I said, I don't necessarily think that any debt is good. But if you have a house payment, you have a mortgage for your home that you're living in, that can actually be considered good debt because you're thinking that your home is going to increase in value. And so what we want to look at is if you're buying a home, you certainly want it to increase in value. You want to maintain it. You want to keep it up. You don't want it falling down around you. You want to take care of it, update it, that kind of thing. So when we talk about good debt, bad debt, good debt would be items that are going to appreciate in value. They're going to go up. Bad debt would be anything that's going down in value, such as a car or you're purchasing clothes on a credit card, things like that. So that would be the difference between bad debt and good debt. interesting that you talk about things like student loans and it is very common to have a student loan especially if you have been to university and you're still coming out which means you've got a massive amount of debt but you don't really count that in it's just such a like it's so hidden sometimes because you don't think about it because you know the work is already done and then when you start paying then you kind of start to feel it a little bit more that's so very true. And it's almost like, you know, when I've coached people that have student loan debt, it's like a pet that they've had for years <laughs> because it never seems to go down or they get rid of it. I mean, student loans, depending on how much you have in student loan debt, you can have student loan debt for years. And that's why I compare it to a pet that has been hanging around. And that's so very true. You don't really think about student loan debt until you have to start paying it back. And it just seems like that debt never really goes down very quickly unless you get really focused and pay more than what they're requiring you to pay each month. And then if you end up paying more on it, then of course you can get it paid down much more quickly. Mm. Well, one thing that I know about you is that you help people pay off debt that is as little as from $500 to about $800,000. Now, when in paying off that debt or just writing it out, do you follow different strategies? How does that work? $800,000 is a big amount. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a very large amount, but if you become focused, you can do it. Now, how do we pay off debt? Simply put is you make a list of your debts from smallest to largest, whatever debt it is. And let me just give you an example. Let's say the smallest debt you have is a credit card debt of say $100 and your monthly payment is $50 a month. And let's say you pay off that credit card payment this month. Well, now you don't have that $50 a month payment. Now, what we don't want to do is we don't want to spend that $50. Now what we want to apply that $50 payment to the next debt that's on that list along with that payment. 
So let's say the next payment is another credit card of say $100 a month. Well, instead of making that $100 a month payment, the credit card payment that you no longer have, which was $50 a month, now you're gonna add the 50 to that 100. And instead of making a $100 payment to that card, you're gonna pay $150 a month on that card until it's gone. And then you're going to take that $150 and you're gonna apply it along with the regular payment of the next debt. And that's what we call a snowball effect. You know, a snowball at the top of the hill is very small, but as it trends down and rolls down that hill, it gets larger. So you're able to hammer those debts much more quickly and faster, and it's a snowball effect. And that's the goal, because once you get rid of that first debt, now you've built momentum, and now you've got a win under your belt, so to speak. You're motivated to pay off each of those debts more quickly. So as soon as you get that smallest debt paid off, now you're ready to keep on track and have that snowball effect. Well, it feels to me like, you know, the same strategy to follow with like weight loss, you know, in the beginning, you wouldn't be that noticeable, but if you stick to it and you're committed and keep doing the same thing, then you start seeing bigger results. That's so very true. And that's a great analogy as well. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell me more about your book, Money Matters. Why does money matter? The book, what was the vision behind writing the book? Well, the vision behind writing that book is, you know, I'm here in West Virginia in the USA and I'm only one person. Certainly I speak at financial seminars, I have speaking engagements and I do one-on-one coaching, but I can only reach a few people at a time. So the motive behind writing that book was so I can reach a larger audience. People need this information. And I thought writing a book will put it in their hands. And so money matters for a variety of reasons. First of all, everybody needs money. (laughs) I have not met anyone yet to tell me that they don't need any more money or that they don't desire more money. So everybody needs money. You have to have money to live. And so money does matter in that respect. And then a twist on those words, money matters. Let's talk about debt. How can we get out of debt? Let's talk about budgeting. How do we budget? How should a person budget each and every month? How do we demolish debt? And how do we build wealth? And so the matters revolving around money are all in this book. So if you wanna learn how to budget, demolish debt, build wealth, invest, all of those matters of money are in that book. Well, I mean, I do sometimes wish that, you know, I could pay for something with my good thoughts, but it hasn't come true yet. So, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Shifting gears a little bit to talking about your business and how you build the business. Now, it's one thing to, you know, having that literacy and being well aware of how to manage money and how to use it for your advantage. What was the drive behind actually thinking that what actually I can do it at a bigger scale, actually I can go out and help somebody. What was the reason behind that? On a bigger scale, so many people don't know and have an understanding of how money works. I really wanted to put it in the hands of people and really get it out there because if people can take control of their money, 
They can be a wealth builder. They can be wealthy. They can have financial freedom. You know, stress is such a terrible thing. And so many times money and debt is such a stressor on an individual or on a marriage. You know, the number one cause of divorce is money fights. It, it's not communication. It's not anything else. It's not kids. The number one cause of divorce is money fights. And so if I can help people manage their money in a greater way and get out of debt and build wealth, then prayerfully that can help save some marriages. It can save a lot of heartache and headache and stress. I mean, think about it. How much stress is involved in a person's life when it has to do with money? You work hard. Many times people are working 40 hours plus each week to bring home a paycheck to pay for things that maybe they didn't really need or maybe they did need, whatever the case may be. But it's almost like a cycle. You're just going around and around and around, but you don't see any hope at the end of the tunnel. You don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And the purpose is to get out of debt because when a person is out of debt, there is absolutely no stress or very little stress. Because now you have freedom in your finances. You don't have the pressure. So many people have stress and pressure in their lives because of debt. And that really saddens me. And it's such a weight on people's shoulders. I want to help people get out of debt. I mean, I know I keep saying that, but if I can get people to get out of debt, it will alleviate so much pressure and stress in their lives. Mm. There's such freedom when you don't have debt. Well, I'm not surprised at all because one of the guests that we had on the show was talking about kind of a similar thing. And she was talking about building high-performing cultures in a company. And one of the biggest things is eliminating debt because when people have debt, then you're more stressed out and your creative energy doesn't come out the right way. And you're not performing at your best because let's be honest, like when you've got that like hovering dark cloud in your mind, you can't really do much about it. So very true. And that's true what you just said about not being able to be creative. You know, it's hard to think about anything when all you're consumed with is debt and how do you get out of debt. It's almost like it's captivating your thoughts. It's holding your thoughts captive. You can't think about anything else. You can't think about a vacation. You can't think about anything else because of that debt cloud that's over you, as you so well described. building your brand what would you say are some of the hurdles that you've had to face because financial sector is already a pretty big market so building a brand in that market itself I would think there would be some challenges so what are some of the things that you had to go through some of the things I had to go through was getting my name out there. You know, so many other people, Robert Kiyosaki, who is a real estate investor and very wealthy. I mean, his name is well known. Getting my name out there. And then when my name is out there, they're thinking, well, who is she? And what does she know about this? <laughs> so working with individuals and then getting them to write some time testimonial how did I help them? And really putting it out there. That was a major hurdle was getting my name out there. And then once your name is out there, 
kind of proving yourself, so to speak, proving that I know what I'm talking about and having other people, the testimonials. And of course, social media is a great marketplace, getting it out there. It's worldwide, but getting other people whom I've helped to testify. It was never a problem or an issue for people to be willing to do it. It was just the fact of working with these individuals and then having them do that and getting the name out there. That was a huge, huge hurdle. So if you're building a brand and you're new to it, it takes a little bit of time, but don't give up in the process because as you keep putting it out there, you know, word of mouth is so very powerful. And so you can use social media, but getting other people to testify and give their own personal testimonials in how you've helped them is great. Well, you mentioned before that you were a nurse beforehand. And were there any skills or ways of doing things that you brought to this business that work really well? And were there things that you were doing that you had to kind of stop doing because it's not longer working? Well, one of the jobs as a nurse is, you know, the reason behind what you're doing, right? But you go in and you give the medication and you take care of the patient. So identifying that when you're communicating with somebody with financial coaching, of course, there's that compassion. As a nurse, you should be compassionate. And I was. So my compassion is still with people and for people as I'm helping them get out of debt, build wealth, and that kind of thing. And as a nurse, you're teaching patients because when they're in a hospital, they're not in there very long because insurances aren't going to pay for an extended length of stay for them. So you're having to teach them, this is what you're going to do when you go home. This is what we want you to do. And this is the reason behind it. So as a financial coach, the teaching still has to occur because it's not enough to tell people this is what you need to do. You have to explain the why behind the what. It's not enough that I'm explaining this is what you need to do. I have to explain the why behind it. Otherwise, they're not going to understand why they're doing it. And many times if they don't understand why they need to do it, they're not going to stick with it. So if I say, this is what you need to do, and this is why you need to do it, now the light bulb goes off. Now they understand why they need to do it, and they're more apt to do it because they understand why they need to do it. So I would say compassion is a definite element that I took from nursing into financial coaching. The teaching element I took from nursing into the coaching as well, because that's so very important, you know, as well as I do, you know, somebody tells you this is what you need to do, but you don't understand why you need to do it. You can decide, "Eh, I'm not going to do it. But if you understand why you need to do it, then you're going to stick with it. What kind of things did you have to like change in how you did things or stop doing for that matter? What things that I had to stop doing, sometimes in a hospital setting, you're on a time element. You need to do things rather quickly the task, you know, if it's going to take you five minutes, it should only take you five minutes. You're not going to have time to go any longer than that. When it comes to financial coaching, things in my mind that I think should take a short period of time may actually take longer. Everybody's different. So 
me speaking to someone and coaching with someone, it's ultimately their decision. So they're going to decide if they're going to be willing to do what I'm requesting them to do. So that's the first hurdle. The second thing is that I had to change was, you know, I might be explaining something to an individual and maybe they're not getting it. I need to be willing to take more time with them. If I'm teaching investing and they've never invested ever in their life, I'm going to end up taking maybe an entire hour explaining that. So the time element absolutely is something that I had to be willing to change. In a hospital setting, yeah, it's only going to take five minutes to do this particular task. But in a coaching setting, I have to be willing to take a longer period of time with that individual if necessary. It's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, they have to be willing to do what you're recommending them to do. Because um, thinking back to my past, I guess it's because of the way that I've been raised. You know, I've had certain beliefs about money and how to look at it and, and all of that. And that was kind of getting in my way early on, especially in the business. And I had to change that mindset because what was happening was I was doing a lot of great work and I was so passionate and my clients were getting amazing results. But I wasn't too focused on the money side because the way that I've been raised, it's not to focus too much on that. But I've had to change my mindset around it for me to go, okay, yep, this is what I'm passionate about and I'm good at it. And also this is going to sustain me longer term. So my question to you is how much of mindset and what they bring in as beliefs from their past play into how you make recommendations and how that implements into their life? Oh, that is a great question. You know, people, how they're raised is so very different. I've coached people where their parents, they didn't manage money, they mismanaged money and they just winged it, so to speak. So that the past absolutely plays a part because if their entire life and how they were raised was, well, we got paid and we just bought what we wanted and leave the bills until they're absolutely due. That absolutely changes the way I'm coaching them because now we have to start way back at square one and say, listen, when you get paid, this is how we have to manage money. You know, we have to pay bills first before we decide to go take a vacation, before we go take a holiday, before we go do something with the kids the bills have to be paid first. And so absolutely the past plays a huge part. So it's kind of like you're unweaving, you're untangling a mess before you can straighten it out. And so changing their mindset many times may take a little bit of time. And that's a great question. Sometimes my coaching, the first two or three sessions of coaching is all about how were you raised? What did your parents teach you about money? What do you know about money? Because that absolutely is going to help me to be able to identify, okay, this is what we're dealing with here. You know, you're getting paid and you're just buying whatever it is you need or want before you take care of bills. So that's a great question. And it plays a very important role. Uh, well, Karen, if you go through your entire journey to right now, what would you say is like the best advice you got, whether regarding money or whether it's related to business? Regarding money, 
or business, I would say if you have a passion, whatever that passion is, and maybe you're not doing it right now, go for it. That would be the first and foremost thing I would have to say. If you have a passion, whether it's in business, whether it's getting out of debt, whether it's building wealth, go for it. It doesn't matter what anybody else is telling you around you. I had people tell me when I left my nursing position, you're crazy. What are you doing? Why would you leave such a great job, you know, with security and that kind of thing and do this? You have to follow your passion because that is where the reward is. That's where the reward is, is in your passion. You know, everybody has God-given gifts and abilities and everybody has a passion. So follow your passion, whatever that might be. That would be first and foremost, I would tell someone. That's such great advice because I can relate to it myself. Mm -hmm. I was told crazy when I left my job. Right. <laughs> and I was crazy, I think, at that stage. <laughs> but you're following your passion, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, and does, it does, does something on the inside of you, right? Yeah. It does something on the inside of you because you feel fulfilled, right? Yeah. It's fulfilling to you. So, yeah, you're following your passion and you're happier for it. You're fulfilled with it and you're helping people in it as well. What would you say is the worst advice you've been given? Ooh, <laughs> the worst advice I've been given well, I won't say that it was advice. I would say it was a critique where people would say, you could never do that. I won't say that that's advice. I would say that's the worst thing somebody would tell me, has told me, you could never do that. And if you hear somebody tell you, you could never do that, you have to almost shut off your brain. Just forget that they told you that and ignore it. And I look at it like this, you know, unsolicited advice is criticism and it's never appreciated. So if you're not asking a person for their advice, but they're telling you, you could never do that, just ignore it and believe that you can do it. Because if you're following your passion and you believe in your heart of hearts that you can do it and you're going to help people follow it and ignore those words that people said to you. I had so many people tell me, you're crazy. You shouldn't do that. Why would you leave that job and go to this? I had to ignore it. And now I'm doing so well with financial coaching and with real estate. Now those people are not saying anything to me. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're probably not... saying, uh, oh, I knew she was going to make it. <laughs> they're either going to tell you that or they're not going to say a word. Yeah. Or they say, hey, can you teach me how to do what you're doing in real estate? And that's okay. You know, sometimes people are just telling you that because maybe they're trying to prevent you to going down the wrong path or the wrong road. And maybe they think maybe in their heart of hearts, they are trying to help you. But most people are good hearted. They're not trying to veer you off into a ditch. They're really thinking, look, the decision you're making maybe isn't such a good one. And you know what? I have to believe that when people told me you're crazy, you shouldn't be doing that, they were trying to really help me. But I still followed my passion and I am so rewarded in what I'm doing now and it's okay. But ignore those words if people are telling you that. 
And usually when people say that, yes, it does come from the best of intentions, but usually the underlying thing is that one, they are not brave enough to be doing what you want to do. And they're scared that you would go ahead and actually do it because that would make them feel bad for not actually going for what they want. Right. That's exactly right. They're displacing it. They're yeah. thinking, well, I would never do that. So therefore you shouldn't. Yes. And now that you're doing it, now I feel like I have to follow my dream, but maybe they're not brave enough. Maybe they're afraid, but you know what? I give people hope because if I can leave a job like nursing and doing what I'm doing and following my passion, then that means I'm bringing hope to those people. Maybe they're going to follow their dream now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I actually have got friends uh, who hate me because I've given them hope. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Oh my goodness, yeah. Okay, if you could go back to the beginning of your journey, what would you change about how you did things? How I did things? I probably would have done it sooner, to be quite honest with you. I would have done real estate. I'm 56. I've only done real estate for the past 10 years. If I knew then what I know now about real estate, I would have been doing this in my 20s. I would have started this in my 20s. But we can't turn back the clock and I'm not going to feel guilty about it or kick myself over it. Hey, I'm doing it now. So <laughs> the thing that I would have done differently, I would have started a lot sooner. What would you say is the number one thing you learned about yourself having been through this amazing journey? One thing I learned about myself is I had to fight my own battle in my mind. Can I do this? Am I taking a risk? Should I do this? Hearing the clamoring of other people, I had to fight my own internal battle. And that's the one thing that I had to learn. I had to learn to fight the thoughts in my own mind and do it anyway. Yeah, that's what I had to learn about myself to fight that battle internally. I'm sure you probably went through that yourself, hearing everybody else tell you you shouldn't do it or you can't do it or you're crazy or whatever it is they're telling you. And you know, that still plays a part on your own mind because you're hearing this from people. And so you have to fight through it. Yeah, that's what yeah. I learned about myself. I had to fight through it and do it anyway. And I'm so glad I did. <laughs> I'm so glad I did. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't have it any other way. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Karen, for the folks in the audience who would like to get in touch with you, learn more about whether it's real estate investing or getting out of debt, how can they do that? Well, certainly my books are on Amazon. They can find them there or my website. My website is karenford.org. Nice. Well, before I let you go, what would you say is the most important thing you want us to remember in becoming financially free? Budget. If you want to manage your money and take control of your money, you need to learn to budget every month and follow the budget. And that's going to put you in the driver's seat, so to speak, in the area of your finances. Great. Thank you so much, Karen, for being on the show. And it has been lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for everything you shared. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. 
Well, that is our episode for today. I hope you got lots out of it as always. Please go and grab a copy of the number one best-selling Amazon book, Money Matters, that's written by Karen. Now, this book is not only motivational, but also it's got a lot of practical advice. So go and grab a copy. And also, go check out the show notes at vindiav.com and you would get a summary of all the advices and everything that we shared. So make sure that you go check that out as well. And until I meet you next time, keep at it in your extraordinary journey.